man, I really can't see you. I'm trusting you're there. I'm Pastor Anthony, if I haven't met you. Also, uh, we forgot to put in the video, Tuesday night is Guys Night Out at Moon Tower right over here. Um, so you're, check that out online. Men, you're welcome to come and hang out and then get home a little early so you can be at prayer at 6.15 on Wednesday if you really love Jesus. So I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, I'm kind of kidding. Um, as we uh, start, I invite you to stand as we read from the scriptures. Um, the public reading of scripture is something the church has done because up till about 500 years ago, no one had their own Bible. There was like maybe one for the community. So I'm going to read from Matthew for us this morning. But before we go, I just invite you to just pause for a moment and be still. Um, I say this with love. If you're, if you're on your phone, maybe turn that off for the next uh, half hour. And if you're at home, I invite you to stand with us as we are present before you in reading and hearing the reading of Scripture. From that time... Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat was Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left their boat and their father, and they followed him. Holy Spirit, as we hear from the scriptures, we pray that you open our hearts, our minds, our imaginations to be more formed more into the image of the resurrected Jesus. It's in his beautiful name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. These are the words that Jesus used to begin his public ministry. I think these words can help us rethink and kind of frame our mind as we're making our way through our series. Our series is called Eternity is Now in Session. We kicked it off on Easter, and uh, we'll be in this series for the next several weeks. And in it, we're looking at how... Uh, eternity is actually something that's happening now. It's not just something that we get to experience after we die, where we're just like little fat baby angels floating around in the sky, but that actually with Jesus coming into the creation he made, he has brought eternal life with him. And if you are following Christ, if you are in Christ, you get to experience it now. John Ortberg, uh, uh, author, he writes, eternal life is life with God and for God. Life under God's care and life by God's power, and it's all available now. So what does that have to do with this word, repent? How many of you, when you see that word, just feel really good about yourself? You're just like, oh, that's just, I feel good and lovely, and it's just a warm, gushy word. No, most of us, we hear this word, as Pastor Danner pushed, uh, pointed out last week, it's like we hear that and we think, turn or burn, baby, right? Like we see those people in the street corners that are just like, repent of your sin. I'm like, those people seem like so much fun and they just have the joy of the Holy Spirit in them, right? I don't know. Maybe God uses that. I don't know. I'm judging them right now. But, but the word repent actually is this beautiful word. It's actually an invitation that repent has to do 
with changing our behavior, confessing our sin, but it actually starts with the changing of our mind. It's, it's, it's actually changing how you view reality, how you interpret the things around you, how you take things in and what that, how that shapes you and forms you as a human. It's as if Jesus is inviting, saying, repent, change the way you view God and life with him and this whole religious system. I'm about to change the reality. And he says, then for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's not something far in the distance, but with him, he is reigning in the actual reign of God. And that's good news for us. With that announcement, Jesus is saying, eternity is now in session. And he goes in John's gospel, he later goes on to say that actually eternity now is actually the abundant life. That's an invitation to live life as God actually intended us to live it. And then after he has this announcement, this invitation of his ministry, what he's doing on earth, Matthew then says he goes by the Sea of Galilee. Anyone been to Israel? A couple of you. Right? Lucky you. I'd like to go one day. If you want to sponsor a pastor's trip to Israel, Tani and I will go, and you can watch our son while we're gone. It'd be great. Um, we'd love to go. But I have not been, but these geographical points in Scripture, they're not there by accident. They're there for a reason. And he says he went by the Sea of Galilee. Now, here's a map of Israel, and the Sea of Galilee is in the northern region. In Jesus' day, they would have known that the Sea of Galilee was a very Jewish area. What I mean by that, there were a lot of educated people in the Jewish faith. I would liken it to the South in America as the Bible Belt, if you will. I'm from California, and I heard about the Bible Belt. Then I moved to Dallas, and to me, that was like the buckle. But if you go to the Deep South, no, that's, that's the, the Bible Belt of our, of our country. But what was going on in that time, there were really, uh, they had the synagogues where the Jewish people worshipped in their synagogues. They also had their educational system. And they had kind of three tiers of school. First was the Beth Sephir. And this was kind of elementary school. This was open to boys and girls where they could come and learn how to read and write. And they did this by studying Torah, the Old Testament of our scriptures. And as they made their way through that, they got a little bit more um, kind of exclusive. At age 12, the boys started getting more instruction. And at 13, they had their bar mitzvah where they became... Uh, men in the religious community. And then after that, there was the next level, the Beth Midas, and this was kind of more of the elite. This was for males only, and they would dive farther into the scriptures and start memorizing more. And this is where the road ended for most uh, young men. At this point, they're like, all right, you've learned enough, but you don't have enough, like, you're you're not showing enough promise to really be a, a religious leader, so it's time for you to take on the family trade Go get a job. Thanks for playing, but move on. And then you have the Talmudim. And this, was, this is where we get our word for disciple. This is where the best of the best would go and apply to study under a rabbi. And a rabbi would then, if you were good enough, say, all right, I'll take you on as my apprentice, as my student, and you're going to take on my life. You're going to follow how I live. You're going to do everything I do. And eventually, if you're good enough, 
you will become like the master, and then you will take on your own rabbis one day. So with all of that context of where Jesus is at, he's going to proclaim the gospel, he's bringing in the kingdom of God, it would make sense for him to go to the local synagogues and say, all right, give me the transcripts of your best students, because I have this huge mission of God to do. That would make total sense, right? But what does he do? He goes and calls to fishermen. Now, this is another little nugget that often gets passed by on us. But if these men are fishermen, that means at best they made it to the second level of schooling. At best, they know their, the scriptures pretty well. They can read, they can write. But at one point in their lives, someone tapped them on the shoulder and said, eh, excuse me, you're not measuring up. You're not good enough. Time to move on. But Jesus... He's walking along this sea. He's on, this, on the shore. And he sees these two men casting nets, just keeping the family business going. And he looks at them and he says, Follow me, and I will make you fisher of men. What's going on here? This would have been shocking to Jesus' original hearers. Because you don't, as a rabbi pick two fishermen to follow you. As a rabbi, actually, you don't go to the student. The student comes to you and, and applies to be your student. Yet Jesus here, he's turning everything upside down. He's rocking the boat, pun intended. Get it? I worked at the 11, kind of, 7.45, crickets, 9 o'clock. I think Jim laughed because he felt like he had to. And the rest of you, there's a couple more coming. There's a couple more coming, so we'll see if they stick. But he's shaking things up. He's calling out to these men. Now put your feet, put your, uh, your feet, stand where they're at, in their boat. You're just doing your business. You know that your life, like you're just going to be a fisherman for the rest of your life. And you see this rabbi, he's like, come and follow me. You've been like, what? Uh, what? Me? That would be like you barely graduated high school and Harvard sends you a letter and says, hey, you're joining our university free of charge. Come on. How do you think these disciples reacted? Were they like, hmm, let me think about it. What am I going to get out of this? Does this come with a pension? What are the benefits? Do I have job security after my time with you? No. Immediately they left their boat and their, and their father followed him. Immediately they dropped everything and followed Jesus. Because they saw that someone was calling out to them with some authority. Someone must have seen something in them. Come and follow me. And Matthew records right after this, Jesus sees two other brothers and the same interaction happens. Two fishermen says, come and follow me. And immediately they left their boats and their father and followed him. Now, what does this mean for us today? As I was preparing this passage, it was, as I, as I write messages and study the scriptures, a lot of the time, 
like I, I sense and through prayer, and I'm not trying to make it over spiritual, but like this is what Jesus wants to say to our congregation at this moment. But sometimes it's what I want to say, and then I sense what the Spirit wants to say, and I wrestle, because I'm like, I really want to say this, but God's like, no, I want you to say this, and that's where him and I wrestled this week. Because this is an easy text where I can lay the law down. Like, you might be like, oh, I've heard this sermon before, like, are you really following Jesus, blah, 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 blah. And I could, I just could get up here and say, like, look at these four dudes. They dropped everything. When they left their nets, they left their job. They left their family to follow Jesus and follow their lives. Most of them ended up dying for the faith. What are you doing? You come to church maybe once a month? Hmm. I mean, you guys came here, it's raining, but like all of you just watching online because it rained, like, oh, really? Are you really following Jesus? I'm passive aggressively preaching the sermon I wanted to preach. Now, that would be a fair reading of this text. And I've preached those sermons, and I will preach those sermons again. Because I am all about following Jesus and obedience and dying to self to follow Jesus. But in my years of pastoring and discipling, I realized, like, that's like step five. We have to start with step one. Because we often come to the scriptures, and we love to, in our, like, I mean, just kind of type A, suburban, successful life. Like, what do I need to do? Give me the three simple, three simple steps. And we come to the scripture and we're like, all right, what do I need to do? So I can just move on and do the next thing that God wants me to do. That's the wrong way to approach the scriptures because we're putting ourselves at the center of it. But from Genesis all the way to Revelation, the beginning to the end of the story of God, is a story about what God has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. And at the center of all of that, who's the hero? Say this with me, Sunday school. Jesus! Jesus is the center of the story. Everything hangs on him. Everything points to him. So then, that leads us in this story. What is Jesus actually doing in this story? Because it's quick to go to see what our response should be. But if we don't even know what Jesus did, our response is going to be off. Kind of pointed out, but Jesus called ordinary, everyday, messy people to follow him. And this should be good news for you and me. Everyday, ordinary, messy people. If you read the rest of the Gospels... Jesus was with these 12 guys for three years. They were with God for three years. And the end of those three years, they did not look any more holy. They did not look any more Christian. I mean, they were fishermen. They were salty guys. There's the second pun. Get it? Oh, that's you guys. You guys just like me better than the other services. It's great. I mean, they, if you read the stories in the Gospels, they fought with each other. They bickered. Two of them must have been millennials because they were like, can my mom and dad try to get Jesus to like do my work for me? Right? Millennials laugh. Come on. We, we were told we were butterflies and we are, but that's all right. Um, but but they, they even were like, hey, Jesus, like, do you want to rain fire down on our enemies? Like they, they went to the point of wanting to kill people in the name of Jesus. They did not look very Christian. 
And if you follow the rest of the story in Acts, like they didn't get much better. But yet Jesus called these men whose lives before Jesus came had been told by the religious people, you're disqualified from doing things of God. And how many of us here feel like we've been disqualified to do things for God? I've been here almost a year now, and you guys look just like my last congregation. Every day, ordinary, messed up people. And that's because you're human. As I'm beginning to know the stories, as I'm beginning to know what what life has entailed for the people of Bethany, the good news is we're all broken. When people come to me like, Pastor, I have to confess something, and they're so nervous, I'm like, they share it, I'm like, okay, like I heard that three minutes ago from someone else. This morning, I believe Jesus is trying to tell our congregation. He, he uses ordinary, everyday, messy people in his kingdom. That he invites everyday, ordinary, messy people. That nothing disqualifies you from serving him in the kingdom of God. Nothing. And as I was studying this text, the thing, these two little words, I, I've read this hundreds of times, but I never noticed these words. I think this is the the turning point in our discipleship to Jesus. Jesus says, Matthew records that two times these words, he saw. Jesus saw them and called them to follow him. In Matthew's reading of the gospel, we don't know why, these two pairs of brothers were willing to leave everything and follow this rabbi? It didn't make sense. I can only imagine that these two pairs of brothers who have been told by all the religious people that they, had been, they, they do not have what it takes to follow God, that they are not of the elite, they are not of the best of the best, they are ordinary salty fishermen. But imagine when this rabbi was walking along the Sea of Galilee, their workplace, he entered and met them where they were at. It was the first time they felt seen. And not just like, I see Jim, like you're a physical person there, but like, look through them and saw all of their failures, all of their fears, all of their brokenness, and still said, come and follow me. And how many of us just long to be seen? Every social media post, you're just hoping to be seen. Every outburst, you're just hoping to be seen. The money, the career, the success, the smiling family is just hoping that you'll be seen. But yet, we're afraid to really be seen. This morning, I believe Jesus is extending the same invitation to us. He sees you. He knows you. He loves you. And he's saying, come and follow 
me. In my teaching and preaching, I love to leave us with like little nuggets to take and go do something. Like, what does the scripture say? Now I'm going to go do it. I don't have that for us this week. I want us to sit with this invitation from the God who created you and the God who loves you, that he sees you in the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of your sin, in the midst of your rebellion, in the midst of whatever it is you are carrying into this place that you are too ashamed to even bring to your mind, Jesus sees you. And he loves you. And he's saying, come and follow me. So I want us to, as we get ready to come to the table and, and receive grace and forgiveness, I want us to do a little exercise of just kind of imaginative prayer. So I invite you to close your eyes. If you're at home, do this with us also. Just take a few breaths to kind of center yourself. And imagine yourself on a boat from the sea, maybe a hundred meters off the shore, and you're casting your nets over and over. It's hot out. Sweat on your brow. And in between casts, you look up and you see this rabbi walking along the sea along the coast. And you, you just pause and for whatever reason you look at him. Picture yourself in this place. And all of a sudden, he locks eyes with you. And all of a sudden, you don't know what it is, but something you can't look away. And from over the water, you hear him shout out, follow me. He invites you. And you find yourself shocked at that moment. You're, you're looking at the other guys in the boat. Hmm, me? Follow me. I see you. I know you. So Holy Spirit, I pray that we are a people who hear the call of Jesus. We are a people who know that we are seen and that we are loved by Jesus. And that this week, Holy Spirit, you silence the other voices in our hearts and our minds, the lies from the evil one, the lies from the culture around us, pray specifically for just the Gen Z and, and just the addiction to media and all that, Lord. The voice is coming in and they can just hear your voice. Follow me. So Holy Spirit, we plead that you, that your voice cuts through all the noise this week. And we sense that we are seen and that we hear that we are called.
because you love us. Amen.